when you're bringing on a partner, make sure that everybody's bringing something to the table and everybody's very clear on what their expectations are and that expectations are very set. What's up guys? Welcome to another episode of the Vacation Rental Revolution Podcast. I'm your host, Sean Moore. I'm here with my buddy, Dave Savolich. We're here for another segment of Whiskey Wednesdays. We're gonna talk about some things going on in our world. We're gonna talk about trending topic, and then we're gonna always answer a couple questions at the end of every episode. These are those opportunities for you to send us in questions and get them answered about short-term rentals. And so if you do have questions, make sure you send them in to us on the platform you're listening to us on. Just DM us the questions, we'll get them, or you can email us at support at We'll make sure we get them answered. Dave, you're always the MC. I'm gonna let you take it from here. You give me the questions Let's and go. topics. Second week in a row. Boots. Second week in a row. We got boots. We got Dave in the hey. boots. He might, this might be a new thing, you no, guys. This isn't, this is just two weeks in a row. Sorry, Lululemon. You're out. You're not the, you're not Dave's unofficial sponsor. Lululemon's out. I'm just saying boots two weeks in. in a row. I don't, hey. don't, don't think that this is going to be a trend because, you know, but I do like them and I appreciate, you hey, know, I just, you just, like I said last time, I you, wanted to be hey, like you. Need, you. you need to, you know, you know just, I like it. It looks, yeah. it looks good on you. It's a better, it, you know. It's a good look. It makes me taller. Pull the Lululemon's off. It makes me taller. <laughs> yeah, you need that. Anyways, well, good. Well, uh, we always talk about little something personal, something about us. We had a great weekend this uh, last weekend. We went deer hunting. Wyatt, your son, yeah, uh, 12 year old, uh, just got his hunter safety here in Utah. And uh, we were able to get our uh, a deer for him. Yeah. We had a great time up in the mountains. The weather was amazing. Oh, man. The beauty that's up there. I mean, literally, we were at the top of the mountain. We could look for, you probably could see 20 miles in every direction. Yeah. I mean, it was awesome. What a cool experience for Wyatt and you. And thanks for letting me be a part of it. That was, it was fun. fun huh? We had a, we had a fun. Yeah. I can't believe you brought this up. You're teeing me up for something. Hey, that, uh, hey no, I'm just saying it's. You, you, you know, uh, this, so, <laughs> so Dave knows we sent an email out about this this last week and uh, triggered a few people. People yeah. were pissed off that I yeah. showed the, the hunt that we went <laughs> off. And, and it was interesting. The point of all that was one, first of all, I'm not here to debate hunting with people right right you, yeah. you either hunt or you don't hunt if i would have put a picture of me eating a ribeye with wyatt and said hey, I had the best steak dinner nobody gave me but right. i'm not <laughs> vegetarian i eat meat and so if i eat meat i want organic right. meat we hunt i get an elk and a deer and we go to alaska and get salmon that's what we eat all year so we use every single bit of the yeah. meat so and we don't waste and we, you know, we respect if, if it absolutely if you're a vegan yeah. a vegetarian you can you know you can give me <laughs> but to the rest of you you know yeah. I'm not, I'm not interested in debating. Most of the, the biggest conservationists and environmentalists I know are hunters, right? Yeah. And, and so I get that there's, there's bad apples in everything. And right. so there are, there are people who are inhumane and do different things. That's not the point. The point of that email was to say, hey, listen, this is such an amazing experience. You guys always say, go, go build that life you don't want to take a vacation from. For me, passing on the traditions to my son and being able to spend time in the mountains with my best friend and my son and my brother right. for the weekend and nobody else is around. Our right. cell phones don't work. Yeah. Like you said, we can see 20 miles in every direction. We're in walking access only areas. Yeah. Those experiences are what hunting is to us and yeah. what it is. I mean, we obviously love and appreciate that being able to harvest an animal and have that meat all year long, but it's also about the experiences. We right. would go do it whether we shot anything or not. Right. And the point of that email wasn't to show off the, the hunt. It was to say, hey, listen, we're we're able to live this lifestyle and do these things 
because of what we've kind of put ourselves in a position to do. You don't have to like hunting. The, right. the reminder is go pick the things you enjoy doing with the people you enjoy right. doing them with right. and right. make sure that you make it a priority to make it yeah. happen. Yeah. And that was the point of it, yeah. right? It wasn't to try to say, hey, listen, you know, to trigger anybody with hunting right. and, you know, or, or yeah. eating, you know, whatever. I mean, yeah, it's, no, I think that's a good point. And it didn't matter if we were create the lifestyle that you love uh, for you, your family, your friends, whether it's right. going to the beach, it's going hiking, it's going hunting, it's going whatever that is. Go make it happen and yeah. don't sit on the sidelines. Enjoy it and, and do something about it. My wife and I have just recently talked about the importance in life is about creating experiences. Whether you spend money or you don't spend money on it, the experiences that you create with your family and friends and things are the things that you're gonna remember all your life. And we look right. back at pictures and we look back at all the things that we've done together. That's that's what's fun. It that's is what's fun. important. And, and it's, it's I mean, you know, like we go to Alaska, we hunt and do all that stuff together. Yeah. But every time we have a barbecue, a salmon cookout or a barbecue with our elk or yeah. deer, we like rehash all those, those memories and hiking time. in. and. Yeah doing yeah. all the things that we did while we were there. So it's really fun to just kind of reminisce on right. the being able to, you know, be a part of be that. A, yeah, yeah, do all those experiences and have those experiences. Yeah. So I, I kept it pretty good. Clean, yeah, good right? job. I mean, yeah. I kept it kind of toned <laughs> down it, yeah. a little bit. You good were job. nervous bringing that one. Well, listen, I'm not scared of anything. So no, I am a few things, but not that. All right, good. <laughs> hey, so trending topic in short-term rentals. And this has come up a lot. I, I saw this, you know, I was searching, doing some research yesterday and, and some of the things uh, pertaining to short-term rentals. And one of the big questions that comes up, and, and it was fitting because we'd actually got this on our community and our platform, as well as a couple emails over the last month, is are midterm stays the new short-term rental stays? You know what I mean? What's the yeah. difference between midterm versus short-term? And a lot of people are saying, hey, I have short-term rentals, but should I consider midterms You know, in my, short, in my short-term rentals? Yeah. So great question. And they're totally different. They're not one. I will 100% midterms are not the new short term, right? Because they're different, right? And, and just for a definition, most people define a midterm stay of 30, 60, 90 days, right. you know, 30 to six, 30 days to six months usually is a, mm -hmm. is kind of, that's a midterm stay starting to get longer than that. You're talking about more of a long-term rental, right? And then short-term stays are under 30 days. And so, or, you know, in our case, like a lot of us are, are doing nightly right. rentals. So, so right. in, one night up to 30 days, that's kind of the definition. Short-term rentals, have gotten really, really popular. And so now that a lot of people always, and they always will, always have, always will have shiny object syndrome, right? Where you're saying, okay, right. what's the next trend? What's the, what's the next pet rock that I can jump on? Mm -hmm. And that's a really, really dangerous game to play when you're investing in long-term assets. Right. And the reason for that is, is because a short-term rental may or may not be a good midterm rental. Just turning it to a midterm rental is not the, always the answer. When you invest in a long-term asset, you better have be very intentional about the end use and what you're doing with it. If you're right. going to buy something as a short-term rental, you should operate it and make sure it underwrites and performs as a short-term rental. And then when the market shifts around and you can't figure out what you're doing, I would dive in and double down on that game and educate myself on how to make sure that that operates as a short-term rental, not say, well, maybe I'll turn it into a midterm rental. Right. Maybe I'll turn it into a long-term right. rental. It may or may not be a good long-term and midterm rental, mm -hmm. right? When I buy a midterm rental, those are phenomenal assets as well. Mm -hmm. We love midterm rentals. It's really, I mean, we've got some of our members that operate a really high level with their midterm rentals, but they bought them with yes, the intention yes. of a midterm rental. Right. They underwrite write it as a midterm rental. They figure out who their target audience is, whether it's corporate housing, whether it's insurance claims, whether it's gonna be the traveling nurses is always a hot topic with midterm rentals. Mm -hmm. 
but there's a lot of different options that you can go on the midterm rental side with target audiences. You're going to set the property up much different than you would a short-term rental, yeah. right? When we when we talk about creating that experience, right. they're not one in the same, yeah. and they're not. Oh well, now that I feel like I'm struggling with short-term rentals, I'll just turn it to a midterm rental, and now that's the next right. shiny object yeah. that I'm going to chase down. Right. When you buy a long-term asset, which real estate is, you should be buying it for the long-term, to cash flow long-term, get that long-term appreciation, get that long-term note pay down by somebody else buying that property for you. All those different things that we do to buy real estate for the long-term, trying to change around asset classes is a dangerous game. And when it comes to buying single family homes, long-term rentals, mid-term rentals, short-term rentals, all of those are operated typically in a single family home. So we assume that we can just take that home and change it around to what we want to change around right. to. That doesn't always work. Yeah. And you have to be very, very careful hearing that strategy. And midterm rentals are kind of the new talking point mm -hmm. when it comes to the people who've been interested in short-term rentals. It's like, okay, now the markets are getting more saturated. I have to actually operate as a professional. You know, Just having an asset doesn't make me money. You have to do things to make money. You're much better off figuring out how to play that game because it's actually not that difficult to play the game at the top of the market. All right. Figure out and double down on that versus saying, okay, I'm just going to have shiny object syndrome yeah. and go into long-term or midterm because they're probably not going to underwrite the same way. And that's right. what you have to understand. That's the dangerous game that a lot of people are, or the dangerous message that a lot of people are hearing out there is, Oh, if you're struggling with short-term rentals, just turn it to a mid-term rental. Right. I'm here to tell you it does not always work yeah. out. There are some properties that can operate as both. They're few and far between. You should either be operating as a short-term rental or operating as a mid-term rental, right. one or the other. A mid-term rental, for example, you know, workspaces, internet speeds, right. all those different uh -huh. things are going to be really important to that experience and having in that rental. Whereas a short-term rental, it's more about the vacation and having fun and having the amenities for that versus, you know, a workspace or, right. you know, because right. there's that both can work, yeah. but you better buy it with that intention and stick to that. What about um, if you're if you're successful and you're running a short-term rental business? Maybe there's a slow slow season, and mm. uh, you know maybe not that you're pursuing it, but out of nowhere somebody says, "Hey, I have an opportunity to rent this as a midterm for the next couple of months." What do you think about that? Yeah, it absolutely can work in certain cases yeah. and in certain instances. A property we have in St. George, it's not, and that's not going to work very well. That's a short-term rental. I have property in, in Blue Ridge, Cherry Lock, Georgia, right? They're up by Blue Ridge. I'm not, there's not a mid-term rental market. So if I'm struggling as a short-term and I decide I'm going to change it to a mid-term in the slow season, that's not going to work. Right. There's not, it's not that type of a market. We were looking and underwriting deals in um, Green Bay, Wisconsin. And we were buying properties right next to Lambeau Field. We were looking at these properties in Lambeau Field during the football season. Right. Our plan was to operate as a short-term rental. After that, we were going to turn it into corporate housing because it was in it was in Green Bay. It was right. close to a lot of the different um, corporate headquarters that are uh, located around there. After football season, it was going to convert right. to a midterm yeah. rental for yeah. the rest of the season. Yeah. So basically, six months of midterm, six months short-term. Yeah. That's a market that that worked for. But it, we underwrote it that way when we were looking at these deals. So just assuming that okay, I have a short-term rental and. and during the slow season, I'm going to do midterm rail doesn't always work because your market might not support it. Awesome. All right, let's get to a couple questions. This is from okay. Lola. Um, First question, do you think partnering in your first short-term rental is a good option? You know, setting up an LLC, getting a partner, what do you what do you think the the pros and cons of of doing that are? Yeah, it, well, there there's yeah, exactly it. There are pros and cons, right? The pros are you're coming in with maybe less capital, you know, depending on what the partnership is set up as. You might be probably, splitting it. Let's right? just assume it's a 50-50 partnership, yep. right? There's okay. so many different ways to partner. Let's assume in this example, there's a 50-50 partnership. You're both both bringing in half the money, so 
you have to come in with half the capital. You have to come in with half the maintenance costs, half the furnishing costs, everything else. So your, your capital outlay can be significantly less when you bring in a partner. It could be more comfortable, right? Your risk tolerance, making decisions can be sometimes could having a partner when decisions can be a con as it well, is. because if yeah. you don't agree and on you things, don't agree right? on everything. Yeah. So that's one of the cons is when, when you're bringing on a partner, make sure that everybody's bringing something to the table and everybody's very clear on what their expectations are and that expectations are very set. You and I partner on properties, right? We we're very clear on what we're both doing, right. how we make decisions, what kind of capital we're putting in, all of those different things. And, and on the front end, we know exactly what we're walking into. Right. Well, the biggest mistake that partnerships that I see in partnerships, especially when you partner with friends or family, you assume everybody's on the same page right. and they're everybody's not. Everybody's goals are the everybody, same. Everybody oh, agrees yeah. with everything. Right. This is my brother. It's right. my best friend. Yeah. We all, oh, yeah, we, we totally think the same way. Right. That's not the case. Make yeah. sure that everybody, everything is lined out. And in a partnership, everybody should bring something to the table, mm -hmm. right? And it might not always be equitable every single step of the way. Right. There might be times on our partnership where you go down and you fix some things and I don't even help and then vice versa because right. I didn't have time or you didn't have time. And so we have to split up some some of those duties. And right. so sometimes you're like, man, I, I feel like Dave's gone down there and worked on it three times in a row and I haven't done anything. And it eventually catches up, right? You right. figure it out. It's not always equi equitable, but it should be very close to equitable when it's all set up, right? Yeah. Like who's bringing in what? If you're not bringing, if, it, if it's not a 50-50 type of a partnership and somebody's bringing in all the money and somebody's going to be managing the property, that's what both of those, those responsibilities are. And this is where one of the big mistakes when you partner with somebody, if you're the manager or you're the expert in the space, and this is a big mistake I see, you become the expert, you're the, you're going to be the management manager of this property and the decisions and everything. Somebody else is bringing the money in. If they bring in the money and then all of a sudden when decisions are happening, and then they want to get involved in the decisions and they're not the expert. That can be a recipe for disaster on partnerships. Because they feel like they want to have a say because they're bringing the money. I'm bringing the money, right? right? right. It, when, whenever I set yeah. those types of relationships up, if I'm the expert and somebody else is bringing the money, I do a general partner, limited partner. They literally get a return on their money and I make the management right. decisions. I, I make the decisions on that because they're not an expert in the space. They may ha might have a whole bunch of different opinions but they don't understand the asset class. And so in those types of partnerships, make sure that you're very clear who's making the decisions because you might not be making them together. Well, and it all, it, it really comes down in to, to, to like most situations, most thing is communication. Yes. Is on the communicate front end. on the front end. What are the rules? What are the expectations? What are the goals? What are we each bringing to the table? Who's making partnerships decisions? Partnerships can be great, great yeah. options for short-term rentals, but you got to make sure you understand coming, coming yep. into it. So. Personal use yeah. is a huge one to make sure that everybody's right. on the same page with, yeah. friends, especially family. friends and family. Yeah, right. right. you know, you're like, oh no, we always travel together. Yeah. I always hear that all the time. Oh no, we don't need to talk about that because if we use it, we're going to use it together. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah. I, I can promise you, the first time you don't, somebody's going to be yeah. have hurt feelings yeah. and and be upset about Just it. So talk about it. About, yeah, yeah, make sure you. And I think it good. Good. There are some pros and cons, but. I think that's a good option. I mean, we've done it. Can it. Be a, it can be a great option. So. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It can be a great good. option. All right. Last question. Um, this is from Jessica. I am so excited to buy my first short-term rental. How patient should I be in Ooh. finding the right property? There's never a perfect property. Just like there's not a perfect market. There's not a perfect asset. There's never going to be just this absolutely perfect property. But that being said, inventory levels are really, really low right now. And you want to be very patient because these are long-term assets. Mm -hmm. 
And so you want to be very clear on your property goals. What is this what is this property going to do for you? Whether it's personal use, whether it's lifestyle freedom, whether it's cash flow, what are you trying to get? Long-term appreciation, a combination probably of all of the right. above and figuring out what your property goals are and then as you're looking at those assets saying does this property check off those goals and help me help me reach those goals and meet those goals and then realize you're going to have some concessions to make inventory levels are super super low however because this is a long-term asset you're going to be holding it for a long time patience is definitely a virtue in the acquisition phase and being able to say no to things and being able to say hey listen this just doesn't quite work out even though i'm only i'm only seeing the same three properties for the last week on the market because that's a reality in a lot of markets right now that inventory is so low that we find one we're like i'm gonna just do it you know like jessica the, the jessica's of the world who are like man i want to go like you want to take action you want to move forward and eventually you will but there's going to be a number of properties you're going to have to be able to say no to. It's just the reality of what it is. And, and it doesn't feel like you're having to be as patient when there's more inventory on the market because you right. can say no to yeah. 20 or 30 yeah. properties. And there's a lot more to choose from. There's a lot more to choose mm -hmm. from. In the market today, inventory levels are set such low levels that there, there are markets where you might see one or two properties a week hit the market and you're just having to be patient, waiting for the right thing to hit the market, both price wise, revenue potential wise, everything else that we talked about to meet your property goals. And so you do want to definitely be patient, you know, keep keep in mind this, you know, the acquisition phase is is just that it's a phase is a long term process. It's going to be a short lived phase in the grand scheme of things, even if it lasts two or three months to find the right property. Well, and I think a really good point you made was, you know, your goals got to align with your property. So yeah. don't rush into a property and be disappointed later. Make sure that you understand this is a, an investment for you and you you just want to make sure you're making the right yeah. investment. So And it's always yeah. that fine line because I bought, I don't know how many properties over the last 23 years. Right. I mean, in the hundreds when we kind of, kind of fix and flips, I mean, yeah. hundreds and hundreds of properties, there's never a perfect property. Right. I've, right. Never, I've never looked back, I can't even think of one that was like, man, that was perfect, right, right? right? I mean, there are always things that are a little bit wrong with every property. Yeah. Doing your due diligence, being a little bit patient gives you a lot better options or chances of getting yeah. a better property. Yeah. So. And don't let being patient curb your enthusiasm and your determination to get started, right? right? The, that's the biggest thing I would say to Jessica is be patient, but don't let it put a damper on your enthusiasm to get going in the yeah. game. Because again, even if it lasts two or three months as you're finding these properties in these really low inventory levels, which it's you're gonna find a property in that amount of time. Yeah. But that feels like an eternity when you're really itching to go and wanting to get started, right? Right. right. So, so be patient, find the right property, but don't let it just, you know, the lack of inventory, you know, lose your enthusiasm for getting started yeah, in the keep game. keep pushing forward, yeah. good. Well, thanks for the questions, guys. Lola, Jessica, yeah. keep sending those in and uh, great segment today, buddy. Okay, good awesome, chat with we'll you. wrap it up. Okay. Yeah, we'll, uh, hopefully we didn't trigger too many people at the beginning of this and they understand why I was, why I do what I do. So guys, we always appreciate your time. At the end of every episode, you know I ask you two questions or two favors, I guess, not questions. The first one is if you got any value out of this, if you could like it, share it with somebody that you think might get value. Those things do help us. If you have more than 30 seconds, leave us a review on whatever platform you're listening or watching on. And the final challenge I have for you at the end of every day, which goes back to why I was showing you about our deer hunt is to go pick one thing that you can do today to start building that life that you don't want to take a vacation from. Cheers, my friends. Cheers, buddy. Hey, buddy.